Welcome to Straight Talk from Insight Counseling. I'm Liz Jorgensen, the founder and owner of Insight Counseling. And I'm Sarah Allen Benton. I'm a therapist at Insight Counseling. I'm also owner of Benton Behavioral Health Consulting and author of the book, Understanding the High-Functioning Alcoholic. And today we're here to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart and also Sarah's heart, which is the recent re-emergence of criticism promoting moderation management and attacking AA and 12-step programs that help people get sober for being um, fundamentalists and for being wrong. Additionally, uh, the other controversy that's being brought back up is around moderate drinking for alcoholics, not just for problem drinkers, but that it actually being a solution um, also with possibly the assistance of medications. Unfortunately, this is a topic um, that's come up many times in the 20 um, nine years that I will have been sober. I think it goes through cycles where um, people sort of target 12-step programs in a negative light and um, give very one-sided arguments to um, to that topic and not really seeing the big picture of how 12-step programs fit into the overall recovery picture in our country. And one of the things that um, is I think actually makes this controversy, Sarah, tell me what you think worse is. One of the traditions in the 12-step uh, community, and it's a very dear tradition, is that members of 12-step communities do not reveal themselves at the level of radio, press, or film. Now, the way I've gotten around that, actually with a lot of help and encouragement from some of my young colleagues and actually former clients and patients, is to... Um, speak about being a member of a support recovery community and I will say that I think that the critics have more of a vocal standpoint and more of a platform because of our tradition where we do not say for example I could say I'm a member of a 12-step or a recovery community but it's against one of our traditions to say I have been a member of AA since this date that is very strongly frowned upon and I'm not saying that I disagree with the tradition I'm just challenging it in the sense that it really lets the critics ride and say whatever they want without people who really truly believe in the 12 steps who have benefited from it lived with the steps really changed their lives we we necessarily have to inhibit ourselves if we're going to stick to the tradition the other piece of that is that the organization itself um, does not involve itself in controversy uh, and therefore when asked in um, actually a, a recent article, they, the journalists tried to have AA respond to their questions and um, they were refused that information, that interview. And that's nothing personal to that journalist, but that's the stance that AA and um, all 12-step programs take, they remove themselves out of controversy. So they actually don't have a voice in rebutting um, some of these claims, and many of which are not true. And so it's up to, you know, treatment professionals oftentimes to kind of defend, in a sense, what the truth is beyond, beyond um, what people may be falsely accusing the program of. And one of the coolest things about that point, Sarah, is the reason that AA takes no position on outside controversies, neither endorses nor opposes outside causes, is to maintain the primary purpose of helping 
um, those who suffer with alcoholism recover from alcoholism. And they very wisely, the founders of the 12-step, of AA was the first 12-step program. Of course, there's many that have evolved using the same principles. They realized that they were going to lose their primary purpose if they jumped into controversies, if they started to defend themselves. And I, I wish world religions followed that. Quite frankly, I wish, I think religion might actually get a better name if they followed some of the traditions of the 12-step programs, whereas this is our purpose. We're here to do charity. We're here to do loving work. AA doesn't do that. But but many religions jump into controversies, etc. AA, the 12-step programs, have made a philosophical and a deep commitment to focus on their primary purpose, to help those who suffer from alcoholism get better. They don't claim to treat depression. They don't mm. claim to treat anxiety. They don't claim to be a social organization. They don't claim to be treatment of any kind. And it's very cool. You and I talk about this a lot. Many people criticize AA without ever reading the 12-step literature that basically agrees with many of the criticisms. Yes, and this is actually something that I've been researching and very, very interested in um, because... Oftentimes, people feel that um, the message they're receiving when they're at meetings is that they shouldn't be taking medications for an anxiety disorder or for um, having cravings to drink alcohol or um, that they shouldn't be receiving, that, that A should be the fix-all and that if it's not, then they're not doing the program correctly. And so this is some of the misinformation that's actually misinterpretation of literature that Bill Wilson wrote, which I actually, I found one of the most useful pamphlets, which you can actually, you can get it on AA.org um, in a PDF form, is uh, the Medication and Other Drugs pamphlet, which Bill Wilson's saying, please seek out professional help for outside issues. See a psychiatrist, see a social worker, see a therapist. And it in fact gives instructions about appropriate ways um, to take medications and when to know to contact your prescriber if you're having thoughts of wanting to have more. So basically people are in meetings possibly saying things to other members that are actually not based in the literature and foundation of the program. And this misinterpretation is what may oftentimes lead people to have false expectations about what 12-step programs can do for them. So we as, you know, therapists, we have sort of a bigger picture view. Um, we, and, and I think, you know, Liz can also talk to this, that there's different pieces. So if you're going into a 12-step program, first of all, there's other options. There's AA, there's Smart Recovery, there's Women for Sobriety. Um, there's even a program called Celebrate Recovery, which is um, sort of a more Christian-based Christian yeah. um, recovery fellowship. And again, it's really the importance of social support yes. in your recovery. Getting sober, particularly from socially acceptable drugs, is a very isolative experience. So it is evidence-based that social support does help people to maintain longer-term sobriety. I've been a member of a 12-step program since September 22, 1985. And I've heard this come up probably seven or eight times in a cycle of criticism. And this is how intellectual things actually happen. There's a point, there's a counterpoint, there's a synthesis. A point, mm. counterpoint, synthesis. And the main thing that I feel is dangerous, though, about the current controversy is mm. the level of media attention that an idea called moderation management is getting. Moderation management basically says, oh, um, there may not be such a thing as chronic alcoholism where somebody actually can't drink. Um, so try to moderate your drinking, try these different ways to do it. And if you can keep it to three or four drinks or only beer or only wine, etc., then you'll be just fine. What's interesting is AA itself says in the big book that if you 
don't think you belong in a 12-step or an abstinent-based recovery, go and try moderation of your drinking. See if you can control it. And I say to my patients, and Sarah says this too, I say to my patients, hey, make some rules for yourself for your drinking. If you can follow your own rules, you probably don't belong in a 12-step program or maybe even an intensive treatment or rehab. Mm -hmm. If you make rules and then you break your own rules, we got trouble, brother, because that's a definition of unmanageability and alcohol being too powerful to manage. And I, I have issues with professionals saying moderation management almost always works or always works. We don't have the evidence to show that. If we did, I'd be fine with it. To be honest, I tried moderation management and I, I failed. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, stick to the menu, as they say. And so for me, that was actually a very powerful experience because it allowed me to realize and have and gather data that I'm not able to um, stick and drink uh, and adhere to low risk drinking limits. So, so in some cases, that experiment is part of the process to conclude that one needs to abstain. If you're actually just a problem yeah. drinker and abusing alcohol and having a heavy drinking phase, and you're able to follow some tips and some suggestions and parameters over and stick time. to it over time consistently. Over time. Not just for a couple weekends exactly. or while you're in a study. Self-correct, essentially. If you're able to do that, then that is diagnostic. Actually, I, I, you know what I say to my patients? If you're able to do that, kumbaya. That's awesome. God bless you. This is great. But can I just say one more thing about yeah. that? If I have literally sat through, I don't want to exaggerate, but several thousand AA meetings and almost 29 years yeah several thousand almost every story of somebody who's successfully stayed absent for a long period of time starts with sometimes we call it a drunkalog and the person will start with first i tried this way to manage my drinking then i tried this then i tried only wine then i tried only beer then i tried only drinking on friday and saturday then i tried only on weekend it's very interesting so people i would i have no problem with people intellectually criticizing anything but please do your homework please really know what you're criticizing. Thank you. Please get enough information because I actually am 100% for moderation <clears throat> management. But guess what? If you can stick to moderation management, by definition, you're not an alcoholic. It, right. I couldn't do it. Many very well-educated, brilliant people that I know tried all kinds of plans, including lists and Excel spreadsheets and all kinds of stuff, and the problem was they couldn't stick to it. Now, we don't have a good scientific explanation yet of what differentiates the people that can stick to it or not. So unfortunately, we have to do something that's simply semantic by saying, if you can't stick to moderation management, then therefore you need an abstinence-based problem, right. pr a program. And, you know, some people are don't like the word alcoholic, I'm fine calling myself an alcoholic. Some people say, oh, I have an alcohol dependence or whatever. I don't care. You call yourself a purple elephant if you want. And apparently now it's alcohol use disorder. As alcohol use disorder, whatever. whatever. Another five years will be something else. But the point is, people can die from alcoholism. It's the number one chronic health problem with smoking that kills people of my generation. I'm 51 years old. Like, if we were just talking about something like... Um, okay hair products or right. what car to buy. That's one it's thing. But when reliable. people attack the intellectual basis of a program that's helped literally millions and millions of people. And the concept of abstinence being the standard of care for people with diagnosed alcoholism. Right. That's that, a It's huge a standard of care, problem. period. Yeah, it's a huge problem. Because basically we're saying 
it's so important to drink that it's worth risking your life. Exactly. And we can't, I don't but know. But that's I, diagnostic. That's diagnostic. However, here's the problem. If I happen to be struggling with alcohol dependence and I stumble into the office of a clinician or, right. or anyone who is quite intellectually biased only for moderation management or controlled drinking and that's the only clinical intervention I get, that could be a death sentence. Whereas if you go to a well-seasoned, very um, educated addiction specialist, they usually will be able to say, look, these are the kind of people that do well with moderation management. Right. These are the kind of people that tend to not. These are the treatments that are recommended. Oh, look, it looks like you have a co-occurring disorder. I think you also go, need to go to a psychiatrist for that, etc., etc." Moderation management people are pretty biased for just moderation management. And to me, that's intellectually disingenuous no matter what. You've got to be able to let other ideas into the room and then have a way to distinguish what works for who, what works when, etc. And so therefore, the truth is usually the synthesis of many parts. The founder of Moderation Management on uh, March 25, 2000, ended up having a relapse where she wasn't drinking moderately. She was drinking, binge drinking, and she um, got in a car and killed a father and his 12-year-old daughter. And she then was interviewed on, on actually Dateline uh, NBC, and she admitted that alcoholics should not, um, cannot moderate, and that if you're able to moderate, then you're not alcoholic. And so I think that's really important information that we acknowledge, that the person that started the movement in the end um, wasn't able to maintain that moderate drinking level. And this is something that I always ask people, if you've had problems from your drinking, why are you so desperate to keep alcohol in your life? Why don't you just give it up and move on and you know, do something else in your life that you find fulfilling? Because the obsession to keep alcohol in someone's life um, is, a, is symptom a symptom of, of addiction. addiction. And that's the key component is that people that are in this debate around and want people to co-sign their being able to keep alcohol in their life have some type of a problem or obsession with alcohol. In fact, I'm going to wrap up and this will be the end of the podcast. One of the things, and I'm a person in long-term recovery and thank goodness I don't have cravings for alcohol and haven't for a very long time. And I'm very grateful for that. However, one of the things that I find still amazing after many years of recovery is people that can take or leave alcohol mm -hmm. and don't really care that much about it. Fascinating. It still blows my mind. I still don't understand it. I have family members that can take it or leave it. I have family members that actually will leave half a glass of wine drank and not finish. Baffling. And that is what makes me an alcoholic, even though I haven't had a drink since September 22nd. 1985. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned for our other podcast, Straight Talk from Insight Counseling. This is Liz Jorgensen to your physical, mental, spiritual, and intellectual health. And this is Sarah Benton. Thank you for listening and we are two sober chicks. <laughs>